Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hi everyone, it's Doc with a special announcement. We are going to take a cruise through some of our most popular episodes from prior seasons to get everyone fired up in the hiking off season. Now, our new content will continue to drop on Saturdays each week, but we will also be re-releasing these great episodes on Monday for your morning commute. I know you've all heard about Classic Rock. Well, we're going to call these episodes Classic Dock. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy the ride. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Greetings, hikers. Thank you for tuning in to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. I'm Doc and I'm your host. This week, Chopper and I will be continuing our dissection of the John Muir Trail as we take a look at the southbound stretch from Pincho Pass to Vedette Meadow. This 19.6 mile section includes some pretty spectacular and memorable spots, including one of the prettiest areas on the trail, the Ray Lakes. Welcome back to another episode, Chopper, what's new? Oh, not much, uh, just like everybody else, just staying at home and trying to stay safe. Uh, but it's, a, it's an interesting time right now. Luckily, you can do a little bit of research for, uh, for these episodes. Nice, nice. Can't wait to hear what you've dug up. All right. I didn't. I wasn't able to find out the information about John Muir's daughters named after the lake, so I'm still oh. looking for that one. 
Oh, so I've, I've got some information for you on that tonight. So stay tuned. Oh, very nice. All right. Very nice. Okay. So, all right. For this episode, we're trying out a new method of recording the pod and maintaining a safe distance. We are video conferencing. And I'll strip the audio out and upload it, and we'll see how that goes. You know, Chopper, I did not get any negative comments about the last episode, even though we were each coming in through a different speaker and had all of that ambient noise. In fact, I want to tell you a funny story uh, that happened on Saturday morning. So we know that the, the pod drops every new, new episode drops every Saturday morning. Right. One of my typical routines is to, you know, wake up Saturday, put in the earphones and just sit on the couch with a cup of coffee and listen to the episode all over again. Just relive it. I don't know. I don't know if that's normal for podcasters or not, but that's what that's what I do. That works. So the, here I am. I'm sitting on my my couch in the family room and I've got the AirPods on. Uh, AirPods in and I'm listening to the episode and I'm, I'm hearing I'm hearing birds chirping and I'm hearing like traffic go by and I literally said to myself is there a window open did somebody leave a window open last night and so I actually got up off of the couch and I investigated each of the windows in the living room in the family room until I realized that the ambient noise that I was listening to was actually from the podcast episode no, that's funny. I didn't even notice it that much when I was listening to it. I, but I was out walking the dog and probably didn't realize that uh, those sounds were coming for just from my, uh, my AirPods. <laughs> you probably thought it was just from the, the street around you. Yeah, just natural. That's All funny. Right. So we're going to list um, three things that we can see in our line of sight from our respective studios. But I want us to peer through the, the camera lens here through the video conference and look at each other's uh, stu individual studios. I'm going to report on your studio. You report on my studio. What do you see? Okay. Well, it's a little bit of a trick because I can see a, uh, what is that? A backpack hanging by the, uh, by the front door, uh, a lovely portrait of your daughter. And, um, oh, what is that? It looks like a, uh, a, a silk plant up on the shelf. Okay. I see some, I see some books on a shelf, maybe indicating that you're a, a well-read person. Well, uh, I've read most of them. It looks like a picture collage with at least four or five pictures in a row in a single frame going vertical. And yep. a couple of bottles of what, of what I can only assume are men's dietary supplement. <laughs> That's what it is. That's my, uh, my steroid uh, order just came in. <laughs> nice nice okay so we're going to get to this episode section of the trail in just a few minutes but let's get the preliminaries out of the way first ladies and gentlemen please help me in welcoming boise idaho to the pod that brings us up to 36 states and the district of columbia you know who we're missing nice. chopper no who's that uh, one state that is not listening yet is Alabama. So this week's challenge, J.F. Emmers, is to call or email your loved ones in Alabama and get someone there to tune in. Chopper, do you know anybody in Alabama? Uh, actually, a friend's daughter goes to school in Alabama, so um, maybe I can figure out a way to reach out to her. Okay, as soon as we finish this I don't think she episode. really is into, uh, yeah, she's not a hiking into the Sierras kind of gal, but uh, we'll give it a try. Well, that's the beauty of this pod. You don't have to pitch it as a hiking pod or a backpacking pod. It's a humor pod. Everybody likes humor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, we, and we're pretty sure we're very funny. Absolutely. So after we get Alabama roped in, how about, how do, how do we get the rest of the union into, into, this, uh, into this gig? 
Oh, well, we could take this, uh, you know, load it up in a bus. We got some time to kill while uh, we can't work. So we could just, you know, travel across the country wearing our uh, our masks and uh, accost people in different uh, towns and cities. Roadshow. Nice. I like it. Do you think, you, who do you think would be more likely to let us paint on the side of our vehicle the name of the podcast? Do you think maybe Mrs. Doc or, or Mrs. Chopper? Um, I'm pretty sure Mrs. Doc would be the, more happy about it. <laughs> I doubt that. I'm pretty sure they'd both be happy to get us out of the house. That would be a benefit. Yes, that'd be a benefit to them. Okay. So as I alluded to earlier, we have some quick follow-up from last week's episode. I found a great resource on the naming of features along the JMT. It's a website based on a 1926 book from Francis P. Farquhar. What? <laughs> Isn't that the guy from Shrek? <laughs> <laughs> Not the same guy, maybe related, okay. but uh, I, I've run across this name before. He, he is an American mountaineer and environmentalist. And if you remember back to episode 10, where I told the story of Norman Clyde, Farquhar was the person who invited Robert L. M. Underhill to come and instruct the Sierra Club in the proper use of the modern alpine rope techniques. Ah. Uh. <clears throat> I don't think I mentioned him by name, but I, I did. I did mention Underhill coming to to teach the the Sierra Club the roping techniques, and that's when they a small group then used those techniques to summit the last unnamed fourteen thousand footer, which uh, after that particularly uh, dangerous climb in the in the weather, they named Thunderbolt Mountain, Thunderbolt Peak. Okay, very cool. Okay, so this website has a ton of great information. I can now definitively tell you that the lakes near the JMT are not, let me repeat, not named after John Muir's illegitimate children. There is an origin story for each name, and none of these stories reference illegitimate children. So our well, apologies. Actually, our apologies. It's a, it's a good thing because my, my Google searches were getting a little weird there for uh, <laughs> plugging in John Muir's illegitimate children. I don't even want to know what came up on those. So <laughs> our apologies to the heirs of John Muir for even mentioning that rumor. We can also now say that uh, with authority, who McClure Meadow is named after. Not surprisingly, Chopper, it is not named after Troy McClure, as you speculate. Okay. <clears throat> the largest meadow on, on Evolution Creek is named for Wilbur F. McClure, who was a California state engineer and instrumental in the building of the John Muir Trail. Excellent choice. Yes. So there you go. You can, you can, be, you can rest assured that uh, in each episode where we talk about the John Muir Trail now, I'm going to just pepper you with all kinds of interesting details and origin stories on the naming of things. Well, I'll, I'll decide if it's interesting or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there you go. We always strive to be somewhat accurate. Very nice. Maybe. Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. A little bit. Somewhat accurate. Kind of Mostly. Mostly. At least we call ourselves out when we're not sure. Nice. All right. Hey, when we come back from the break, we're going to take an in-depth look at the portion of the JMT from Pincho Pass to Vedette Meadow. Stay tuned. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water. Using time-released liposome technology, 
topical insect repellents and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Okay, welcome back, and let's get to it, Chopper. All right, we're going to talk about this section from Pincho Pass to Vidette Meadow. Again, this is about 19.6 miles of some of the most scenic areas of the JMT. In our discussion today, we'll be proceeding down the path in a southbound direction, because that's the, that's the direction we both experienced this, this part of the trail. Right. Here are some elevation stats for this section. We start out at about uh, 12,130 feet at the pass, Pincho Pass and descend down to the Woods Creek Junction, which bottoms out at about 8,500 feet. From there, you climb back up to Glen Pass at 11,926 feet, and then back down again to Bubbs Creek Junction at 9,550 feet, and then you start to climb up towards Forrester Pass, and we're gonna stop uh, before we get to Forrester, way well before Forrester on this, this particular episode. We're gonna end this segment at Upper Vedette Meadow at 9,900 feet thereabouts. All right, back up to Pincho Pass, and let's start our descent down the trail, Chopper. What do you remember from Pincho Pass? Actually, what approaching Pincho, I thought was one of the coolest sections, <clears throat> even though we're not gonna talk about it too much right now. The, the rock color is different. There's a lot more reds and browns and less grays. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but that day was really overcast. So the colors were super cool. And as soon as we got to the top of Pincho, like the sun came out, everything got beautiful. Uh, we were, and that was one of the ones, it was an easier pass to go over. Mm -hmm. Not that any of the passes are easy, but that one was a little bit milder on a grade. And we almost sat there and just chilled for about 30, 40 minutes talked to a whole bunch of people who were doing the same thing and it was just a, a much funner vibe than some of the other passes. I think we were also feeling a little better at that point. Yes. But it was a, <clears throat> I really, I really liked Pincho. That was one of my favorite passes to go through. Um, just like I said, the rock formations were unique and getting up to there was, was pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. There were, there were a few people up there when we got up there, right? There was, I seem to remember five or 10 people up there at the pass. Yeah, and that, on that day, we ended up crossing back and forth with several people where they would be taking a break and we'd pass them and vice versa. So there was just, uh, at least five or six people that we saw regularly on that day. 
And we had a little tradition, a couple little traditions that we did when we got to passes. Do you remember what those were? Uh, the primary one was taking a selfie. Yep. <clears throat> we, had a selfie, we, always, yeah. we had a selfie at each of the passes. That's right. And then we, we also kind of hang out there for a while when it was, when the weather permitted and right. break out the beef stick and tortillas and just kind of okay. sit and eat and enjoy the, the views. Yeah, it was like a special snack, you know, pull out the Snickers bar or something and just kind of chill for a little bit. Right. And there was a couple a, of the passes we didn't wait. We got got the hell off the pass. Yes. Yep. And I think we we maybe mentioned one of the or two of those before. We'll 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 get to those as we continue our analysis of the the JM. That's right. But We're I remember hit one of those was, today. Yeah, there was a um there was there was a hiker up there who she wanted us to take her picture and she actually laid out um on kind of a, a rock cropping that kind of overhung the, 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 the past. Remember that? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. She was like totally posing and like finding different positions and no, 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 I'll stand over here and stand over there. And yeah, it was pretty funny. I was disappointed that I didn't get a picture on that, that rock. And so actually I recreated that picture, that opportunity when, when jukebox and I hiked that two years. Oh, ago. you, you climbed back up there. Yeah. I got some That's good funny. pictures like that. So I, I'll, I'll very nice. I will post the selfie and uh, the picture of, of myself and, and jukebox on that rock and on social media for this. Yeah, all the, I mean, all, all the passes are all way up there altitude wise. So there's no mm -hmm. trees around, but there was a bunch of flowers at, in Pinchot Pass and it was just a, a super pretty day. Big clouds flying over. Yeah, it, there's was, some, uh, it was definitely memorable for me. Some particular strains of flowers, like tiny flowers that you, you will only find up, up on those passes, I believe. Right. It's like, it's not Edelweiss, but it's something like that where it only grows in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So any idea who Pincho Pass was named after? No, but I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me. I can tell you. Yeah, it was named after Gifford Pincho. Gifford, the GIF, the first director of the U.S. Forest Service. They just don't have first names like that anymore. They don't. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> couple, couple hundred years from now, they're going to be making fun of our names. <laughs> yeah, Chopper, Doc. That's right. Chopper and Doc. <laughs> I think you have the best chance of uh, surviving that. <laughs> so Pincho was Yale educated and a former dean of the New York State College of Forestry at Cornell University. He knew his trees and he knew that the best way to assure the future of timber harvesting was through conservation and property management. He was a member of the Progressive Party and was considered a rabid environmentalist in his time if they if they had used that term. And what I that's straight out of, I think, Wikipedia, but um, right. so I'll give him credit there. But ironically, did you know that he and John Muir did not see eye to eye? They, they didn't care for each other. I think they had uh, a falling out. And so it's pretty ironic that uh, Pincho Pass is, is named after him. It's a, a major point on the, the John Muir Trail. That's interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know that if he's curious out, or that not. That didn't come out that right. Yeah, so... <laughs> I guess Pincho came out in support of the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir in Yosemite Valley, which when it was put in place, it flooded and obscured a portion of the valley, which Muir was very much against. That was the, that the source of That seems odd for an envir environmentalist to be wanting to have Hetch Hetchy Dam. Yeah, that was the source of their beef. <clears throat> All right, that's a good, a good beef. Yeah. Well, now, what do you remember from uh, us coming down off of Pincho Pass? <clears throat> well, it's, it was a, it's like a very lush area. There was a lot more... Uh, you know, greenery and uh, a couple of big sections of trees. And there was a couple of lakes that we kind of stopped at and kind of hung out for a bit. <clears throat> and a lot of people, I thought that was kind of interesting. 
um, when we were walking down, do you remember we ran into those mountain climbers? Yes. And we were coming down that pass and they had all the ropes and gears and helmets and we're like looking around like, how far did you walk just to do some, uh, some mountain climbing? They were hauling a but, lot uh, of gear. Yeah. They were hauling a lot of gear. But, uh, and there was a, a couple of big areas where there was, I'll say recent slides. They were probably, you know, 10, 15 years old, but, you know, big giant chunks of the mountain had come down and they had, they had to rebuild the, the uh, trail to go over them, which is always wonky to walk on. But mm -hmm. I just remember that it was a, it was a pretty lush valley, not as rocky as some of the other ones. Yeah. You go down and, uh, descend for a little bit and you kind of veer off to the right and you find yourself in between, uh, or, or to the, to the left of a couple of lakes. We stopped at a lake yeah. there and filtered some water, had a, had a break there. It was really picturesque. In fact, we jukebox and I camped near one of those lakes, uh, in two, okay. yeah. in two years later. Um, but we kept on going that on our trip, we kept going we went all the way down, um, to the suspension bridge at Woods Creek yep. Junction. They call that the Golden Gate of the Sierras. And I was actually looking that up uh, uh, and researching this. It's gone. It got washed out a couple years ago, and they haven't repaired it yet. And <clears throat> depending on which uh, Google search I was doing, it was going to be repaired in 2020 or 2021 or 2022. So, so I, I think it's still out. Let me weigh in on that because... As you know, 2017, when Jukebox and I went, it was a high snow year. And one right. of the things that I was most concerned about was the, were the water crossings. And I had heard that the suspension bridge was out. Well, I think there are two bridges in that area. I think there's... You know, oh, okay. We crossed, this, we crossed the suspension bridge and headed up towards Ray Lakes. If you, can right. if you don't cross that bridge, and if you keep going straight towards Paradise Valley... Uh, I believe that there was another bridge a little further down, and that is the bridge that was washed out. Okay, it's on the it's on the Ray Lakes Loop. If you look at some of the uh, trail correct. maps, so that that must be the the confusion. Because I was I was reading that going, that bridge is huge. Yeah, it's super high above the river. It's really kind of fun. It's it's a one person at a time suspension bridge, <clears throat> and of course we get out there and start jumping up and down like you know the children that we are. Well, I mean, we, we followed the rules. We, we did one person at a time. I remember that. Right. Um, and then I watched others cross it and either they did not see the sign posted that it was one person at a time. And, and, you know, two or three people went across at the same time. And I was just, you know, waiting for something to go wrong there. Well, it, it's, it starts moving pretty good once it, you get out there. It does. It does. It, it's but got a lot of flex in it. It's only one person wide is probably why they only want to, they don't have too many people crossing each other. Yeah, so we, we crossed the, the bridge at, at uh, Woods Creek Junction, the, the Golden Gate of the Sierras there, and they have a nice campsite right on the other side of that. And I, I remember thinking, hey, let's camp here. And my, my hopes and dreams were about that happening were, were crushed by you and Buddy. So, Well, that was also one of those areas that was a crossroad, so there was a lot of people, and they had bear boxes, and it was just a place for people to kind of go in and out. And I was also looking at, I think that was like the lowest elevation we got to before we left from that point on we i don't think we got below nine thousand feet yeah i think it's, i think i've i've read somewhere that i think 75 percent or 80 percent of the southern half of the john muir trail is spent over ten thousand feet you're you're, yeah. you're you're above the tree line for the vast majority of the the southern half yeah i think that woods creek junction is the lowest spot until we uh came out at whitney portal yeah and that's at about 8500 feet i think i said earlier yeah 
So from there, you cross the bridge. We, we kind of took a breather there for a little bit, soaked our feet in the, in the river, at least I did, uh, had, had some stuff to eat. And then we started the trek up to where we were going to camp for the night. It was going to be short of, just short of Dollar Lake. We, right. we finally found a campsite up there. I think it's about four miles uh, from the junction. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was four miles because in my mind in 2017, I remember it being two miles. And I told Jukebox, <laughs> hey, just a couple miles and we're going we're gonna to see we're Dollar Lake. Yeah, we're almost there. And, you know, two miles comes and goes and it's gone for a long time. And I'm just getting angrier and angrier as I'm hiking because there is nothing worse than having uh, a certain level of expectations of, of when you're going to stop exactly. or, and then and then not being able to. So it's that just around the bend idea. Yeah. Mile, mile, you. mile, mile and a half. Exactly. And there were deer all over the place on the trail. I think we've got a couple of videos of them just like barely staying ahead of us on the trail. Mm-hmm. Until we found that campsite, and we and took there was a, deer walking through the campsite. We took a deep dive in our conversation on that stretch of the trail into. Do you remember? Uh, Game of Thrones trivia Game, is what I recall. Game of Thrones, not just trivia, yeah. but you know what, where we thought the the, the plot was going to go. I think we, we were trying to guess how this was all going to turn out. Yeah, I think the two of us had read all the books. Uh, mm-hmm. Brian, uh, I think he'd only watched a little bit of the TV show. Not but, uh, Brian, yeah. not Brian, buddy. I caught my I caught myself there. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Got it. So so buddy was uh he was he was less enthused <laughs> than you and I were. Yeah, we, we were, were kind of we doing ge- deep dives, a little little arcs. We were kind of geeking out. Yeah. And uh, what I remember about that camp too, not only were the, the deer when we were like eating dinner, in the middle of the night, something cruised through our campsite. And Buddy and I woke up in the morning and we were like, Did you hear that? uh yeah i think i heard that well it i we kept we convinced ourselves it was deer but it was pretty big it was making a lot of noise and i was really hoping our uh, bear canisters weren't strewn about but something was walking around the uh, the camp that night could have been a squatch it's true it could have been you know that it was you kind of stumbling around could have been a squatch which brings us to to one of my favorite stories one of my family's favorite stories uh the next morning at that campsite I think that was another one of those ones where we were uh, <clears throat> trying to find a spot to have our morning constitution and the, the deer were watching us. <laughs> That's right. I, I found myself a nice spot, uh, kind of out of the way and getting ready to do my business. Actually, I was in the middle of doing my business and I hear some noise and I look up and literally 15 feet away, this, this deer is looking at me. I'm looking at the deer. Not a word was said, but uh, meaning, <laughs> meaningful glances. The deer's like, you realize I live here? (laughs) (laughs) You think I do that in your house? (laughs) Good times. All right. So after that was all taken care of, uh, we packed up and made our way up towards uh, the direction of Ray Lakes. We came to a couple lakes before that. Uh, First thing you're going to hit is Dollar Lake, which is a nice little round lake out there in the I think the all the lakes in this valley were were really really picturesque I don't know again I don't know if it was like evolution with the big tall mountains and the and the narrow valley but they were all really big and a lot more picturesque than some of the other ones <clears throat> you know the, the trees around and a lot of uh, foliage and really cool campsites we didn't stop there obviously but you know the reading through the guides there's campsites all over the area 
And I think that's just, it's super picturesque. And it was one of the areas that I was walking through, I was looking around, it was like, okay, this is, this is one of the coolest places I've been to. Yeah, Dollar Lake, as you might imagine from the name, was, was like a circular silver dollar. And uh, a little bit beyond that was another very picturesque like Arrowhead Lake, which obviously... I wonder what it was shaped like. Yeah, shaped like, I'm thinking an Arrowhead. But uh, you're right, absolutely gorgeous. And then once you get past Arrowhead, uh, even, even as you're approaching Arrowhead, you see this massive granite structure in the background. And we, we later learned that that was Thin Dome. Yeah, and it, it's, it's like the hermit that you were talking about <clears throat> earlier in Evolution Valley. It's, it stands out, it's all by itself. And it is uh, very much sugarloaf shaped. Oh, like, sugarloaf, uh, were you able to? Yes. Were you able to do some research and figure out what sugar meant? I, I I did. It's a it, it's as you would expect. It's a, a way of refining sugar, and it's just the shape they make it so they could sell it. Not not very. Uh, it's 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 a tall cone basically with a, a rounded cone. top. Tall cone yes. with a rounded top. Yes, it's the oh. way they would sell sugar. So there you go. They would so, sell it by the loaf. You just showed me a picture on video conference. Why don't you send that picture to me, and I will post that on social media. For this episode excellent you got it okay all right no problem. <laughs> so fin dome it's an appropriate shape it's I, okay good i know our, our listeners are wondering hey is is doc going to tell us about where this whole fin dome naming name came from and of course i'm going to uh it was named by bolton c brown there's another name for you bolton bolton c brown in 1899 and it's in reference to the sea serpent shape of the ridges and topography around it. The large granite blade sticking up, he named Fin Dome, because that was the, the sea serpent's fin. Oh, it, very nice. It looks more like it's, it's where it's coming out of the water, like a classic Loch Ness monster. Yes. The first ascent, people have climbed Fin Dome. First ascent was in 1910, 1910 by James Rennie via the west face of Fin Dome. And then once you get past Findome, you come upon what we talked about last time. And again, probably one of the, the most scenic areas of the John Muir Trail, the Ray Lakes. And it's a real popular trail too. It's, it, it's accessible through a couple of different passes, but there's like a 40 mile loop that you can go around the whole area up and over a couple of these passes. But Ray Lakes has a lot of people, a lot of places for people to camp and a lot of people to stay. But again, it's, those are three of the prettiest lakes. And the funny thing is they're just the Ray Lakes. It's like lower, middle, and upper. It's right. not like individually named for each one. Yeah, I was going to, I have a little bit of information here on the Ray Lakes loop because I thought that maybe that could be a hike that we do in the future because it is just so gorgeous back there. It is a, that's a 54 mile loop uh, with about 12,700 feet of elevation gain. And you can access it fairly easily from Onion Valley. So that's off right. of uh, the eastern side of the Sierras. Come that's in Kirasarge Pass, I think. Yes. Yeah. You uh, would come in through Onion Valley, come in, come in over. Actually, I'm not sure if it, I think it is Kearsarge Pass. That is right. Yeah. You come that, through. It's, it's one of those. Yep. Kearsarge. Once you get in, you would, uh, if you were going to, you would, you could hike it either way, clockwise or counterclockwise. If you went clockwise, you would hike over Glen Pass and then through the Ray Lakes area. And then instead of continuing on the JMT after the suspension bridge, you'd head left through Paradise Valley. Hopefully if the other suspension bridge has been repaired by then. Right. And then you, that, would, that would have you follow uh, Bubs Creek back up to the Bubs Creek Junction 
where you could, you would complete. Right. So. And I think didn't Buddy one time just hike up and over and meet like a cousin of his and like resupply he was doing a John Deere at Ray Lakes over the Cure Search Pass. He did. Buddy being Buddy, he's always looking to help out his fellow hikers and his family members. I think he had a cousin who was on the trail and needed a resupply. And so he, he went up, up and over Kearsarge and uh, down there to, yeah, I think it was. I think the she Bub was doing it solo too or something. Yeah, I think he resupplied her at the Bubs Creek Junction actually. So, yep. Right, that same area. So uh, you're right. It's a, story. it's a series of three lakes named by R.B. Marshall in 1906. Uh, and it was named after Rachel Vrooman. That's Vrooman with a V-R-O-O-M-A-N, Vrooman. So how do they get Ray Lakes out of Rachel Vrooman? It must have been a nickname for her. Okay. Ray is short for Rachel, I'm taking it. And she was the wife of William Edward Colby, who was one of the earliest presidents of the Sierra Club. Aptly named. And she evidently was something special because she went to Berkeley and Hastings, was a lawyer, and even argued cases before the Supreme Court back in the day. Very nice. Yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. Very impressive people. Yeah. So as you're hiking next to uh, the Ray Lakes, once you pass Arrowhead, you come to the first Ray Lake. It's on your right-hand side. So the, the John Muir Trail is to the left of it. And I think it's in the middle of the second lake where off to your left is the Ray Lakes Ranger Station. And in fact, when jukebox and i hiked through there in 2017 there was a sign for the ranger station and there was a bear warning uh, attached to the sign so <laughs> nice. there was an active bear between between this spot and uh i think forester pass it was pretty active and said to you know be really careful with your your food and where you put your bear canister yeah that's something i would take serious i think i think we were lucky we never saw any bears it'd be kind of fun but not really yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm okay with the with the concept of bears being out there, but they don't. I I don't need to see them in person to fully appreciate. Exactly. Yeah, and then um, up past, uh, actually, so the third lake, you actually cross between the second lake and the third lake. Remember, the path kind of takes right. a dog to the right there, and now that third lake is is on your left, and in the middle of that third lake, I thought was really cool. You had some some sizable islands with, with trees and underbrush growing on those islands. I thought it was, that was And that was one of the things that made Ray Lakes cool is because they, were, they had the islands and it was reflecting all the mountains around them. They were, they're super reflective. And maybe it's because we it was a calm day that we were there. But the, the islands were, like you said, it was really neat and neat. The water was so clear. You could see all the way to the bottom. We were like, I think we can walk out to one of those lakes. Okay, you go first. Mm -hmm. cool. Ice cold water. Exactly. And one of the features over one of the features overlooking that third lake is this uh, pyramid-like pyra, pyramid uh, stone face at the very top. I don't say stone face, eh, stone face, shape of a pyramid, and they call it the Painted Lady. And it's because of the the particular. There's some some coloring of the rocks uh, on the on the side of that pyramid shape, and kind of looks like a face. Uh, looking down on the on that third lake, it was very cool. Yeah, like I said, those those lakes are some of the most picturesque places, and I, they show up in a lot of photos. I think it's because it's accessible, but you see 
if you see anybody post pictures about the John Muir Trail, one there's at least one picture of the Ray Lakes. Yeah, and right after you pass that third lake, then you start climbing again because you're starting up your approach to Glen Pass, which was a very cool pass in my my opinion. And in fact, you know, we didn't camp in that area in 2015, but 2017 when Jukebox and I went through, uh, we were debating on whether or not to go up and over Glen and camp somewhere further down or if we were going to uh, take a, an earlier break right around four o'clock in the afternoon. And we actually started the hike up to Glen Pass and found this secluded campsite. It's an actual campsite up there. It is about, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 yards off the trail to the right. And it's kind of hidden in a small copse of, of trees up there. And that was definitely one of the cooler spots that, that we had camped. It was, it was off yeah, there, the trail. There were a couple of, yeah, there were a couple of lakes on the way up to uh, Glen Pass that just kind of set out to the side. Yeah, that so campsite actually down, backs, when looks down, yeah. That campsite actually backs up to one of those lakes. So we we kind of called it an early day and and took a took a chance to uh, wash our clothes and kind of get ourselves cleaned up a little bit because we were in in pretty poor condition at that spot. <laughs> <laughs> a little rough. That's when jukebox is like going. I really don't want to be here right now. <laughs> All right, 50-50 chance here, Chopper. Glenn Pass, is Glenn a first name or a last name? Um, I'm going to go with John Glenn. Ooh, good guess. Good guess. Uh, John Glenn has two N's in Glenn. This is a single N. Ah, okay. Then I'm going to go for first name. Yes, very good. Okay. Excellent job. Okay. First name. First name is actually named after Glenn H. Crow, a Forest Service Ranger. And that's all I know. So don't ask me any follow-up questions on that. Okay. And they went with Glen Pass instead of Crow Pass. Everything else is after the people's last name. Yeah, interesting choices. Yeah. But I, what, one of the things I do remember about Glen Pass is it gets super rocky, super fast, and it switchbacks in boulders. And it was, I remember we were laughing going up. It's like you would look up and it was just a mountain of rock. And it was all cobbly and broken up. And we're like, there's a trail there, you know, because usually you want to you want to find the pass, you want to figure out where you're going, and we just kept looking up, going, "Where are we going?" Yeah, no idea. I've got a great picture that I will share. It's of Buddy, uh, kind of look. He, he's we're in the middle of that climb up Glen Pass, and it's a, it's a, just a, a shot of Buddy during a breather, and he is looking up at where he thinks Glen Pass is, but you could almost read his mind, like, "Where the heck are we going?" We said that multiple times. It's like, you're looking up, it's like, okay, that's got to be the pass there just because of the shape of the, rock, the mountains and the rocks. And it's like, but where's the trail? It was impossible to see. It was crazy. And it was like really big rocks. It wasn't like, you know, it was kind of, you know, gravel and you couldn't figure out. It was like really massive rocks that we were climbing through. It was, the trail was, when you were on top of it, it wasn't hard it was the, to figure out. It wasn't like you were getting lost scrambling around, but looking up, it was just like, oh my God, it's just a literally a mountain of rock it reminded me of a scene of like you know lord of the rings trying to get into mordor and you're trying to figure out your path it's crazy stuff yeah are you frodo or are you sandwich um i'm gonna go with uh Gollum. i was just kind of trailing behind you guys nice nice <laughs> new trail name possibly that's right <laughs> yeah but the I'll very cool the very cool thing about glenn pass and what i really um was most memorable for me was once you get up to the pass there is a 30, 30 foot section, I'm, I'm guessing 30 to 40 foot section of the trail 
that is along the top of Glen Pass, and it yeah. feels like a knife's edge. You're walking on a knife's edge with sheer drop-offs on either side of you. The path is probably, I don't know, three, four feet wide, but then it, it drops off precipitously. Yeah, that's the other weird one. Most of the, when you get to the top of a pass, it's a big wide open area and you kind of hang out and it's like, you know, you can kind of sit there for a little bit. This was like a spot where the trail had a switchback where it was coming up on one side and down the other. And it's almost like you felt like you had to almost step over the top and then go down. It wasn't the same as all the other big trails. The other thing I remember about Glen Pass is as we were climbing up there, again, clouds started rolling in and we could start to hear thunder in the distance. And I mentioned this in one of the other earlier episodes, like we're standing up there on the top of this knife edge. And I think your comment was, I, I'm standing up here on the top of a, a, of a mountain holding two metal sticks and I can hear uh, thunder in the distance. Perhaps we should get out of here. But that was one of those ones like, it's pretty, let's take the picture, let's get out of here. Probably not a good idea. Almost as, as good an idea as uh, in Tiger King, Hey, uh, when the guy's filling up the gas canisters uh, with a lit cigarette in his mouth, it's kind of that's, that's along those same same idea. lines. That's right. See, I wanted yeah. to get some some pop some some pop culture into into our yeah. episode here. And on, on our way down, it started sprinkling a little bit on us, but it wasn't too bad. It wasn't uh, wasn't super intense. And then we we started working our way down uh, towards uh, Charlotte Lake. Yeah, you can see Charlotte Lake off to your right. From uh, from the John Muir Trail as you're coming down Glen Pass, um, it's off to your right and it's it's down significantly. And I think there's some camp spots, some camp spots. Yeah, down there. I think it's it's relatively accessible if I remember. So there's a few people kind of cruising around. Yeah, I think it's actually a, a destination for a lot of folks. They'll just come come set up and do instead of doing through hiking or section hiking, they'd, they'll they'll hike to Charlotte Lake and camp there for a number of days and, and just do some fishing. You know, if you remember, there's a, there's a big rock face called uh, Charlotte Dome that's a little bit off to the side of the lake. And it's right around there. It actually started raining on us pretty good. And we mm -hmm. parked ourselves under a tree for about 10, 15 minutes uh, just to wait out the storm. Mm -hmm. But that was a pretty cool area. Now, I know you're going to ask me who was Charlotte, but I don't know who Charlotte was. Charlotte first appears on maps in 1873, Charlotte Lake. Um, but the origin's obscure. And it was, I, I can tell you that it was once known also as Rhoda Lake. Oh, very nice. Rhoda. All right. There you go. Let that sit. Okay. An old 70s TV show, but it wasn't going to work. <laughs> Could see the wheels spinning. <laughs> um, once you get past Charlotte Lake, uh, it's not too much further. You, you, actually, it's a lot of downhill. There's a lot of switchbacks going down. Right. And you bottom out at Bubs Creek Junction. Uh, you cross Bubs Creek and you go a little bit past that, and, and you're kind of at the the low spot of that portion of the trail. I think it's about 90, 9,800 feet, I think I said. And that, yeah. Bub, Bubs Creek is named for John Bubs. There you go, the last name again, John Bubs. I should have asked you, you think it's a first name or a last name, but you would you probably would have got that one right. I would have gone Bubs as uh, someone's nickname, but there should be uh, you know, um, air quotes around it. Yeah, John Bubs was a prospector who crossed Kearsarge Pass from the Owens Valley in 1864. So that one prospector, he crossed in 1864, and he gets uh, a major – a major creek after him. Yeah, what the heck. Could so. you imagine climbing in 1864 without a trail? I mean, that would just be insane. Without a trail and no ultralight gear either. Exactly. A couple, couple of mules probably though. Mm -hmm. 
And then, so after we cross Bubs Creek, we're getting to the, to the end of our section here because we really want to save Forrester and uh, beyond Forrester for another section. That's a, that's a story all into itself. Um, we hiked for a few more miles to get to, I guess there's a lower vidette and upper vidette meadow. And we stopped at- And upper. of course, we went, we went upper because that's just the type of people we are. Of course, extra mile. That's right. That's right. And Upper Vidette is one of those campgrounds on the trail that does have bear boxes. Remember that? Right. Yep. I think we may have left a few things in that bear box at that point, too. We did. Do you remember why? It wasn't um, because we were making a donation to the trail guys. I mean, we were, no, we were salty veterans at that point. I mean, we were. We, we, uh, we, we, shared, we shared a camp with a couple of PCTers and uh, sat around the fire with them and were telling stories. And uh, we left a few things for them before we left. Yeah, and I think this was the point in when I first realized that PCTers, they don't just hike during daylight hours. Because I think we were we were in camp, we had our camp set up, we had the fire going. I think we are, we'd already eaten, and it was it was getting pretty pretty dark out. And these two come stumbling into into our into our campground. It was it was dark out there, and they also shared yeah. some stories about some times where they had they had done some some night hiking as well, which just kind night of night hiking was not for me. Yeah, even with the headlamp on there, it just doesn't seem like it's very appealing. I'm assuming I would roll my ankle and fall down a hill or something. Yeah, I mean, it's a way to get in big miles, right? To have those 25, 30-mile yeah. days that the PCTers need to put put in in order to, to finish the trail in a decent amount of time. But you're right. I mean, twist an ankle, plus you're, you're missing all the scenery. Right. Well, uh, they're trying to get 3,000 miles in, and we were trying to get 100 miles in, so it's a little bit different scale. Right. The, the other thing I remember in that camp, not only like the rest of the camps, there's bugs everywhere, but you took your shirt off and your <laughs> back was absolutely covered in mosquito bites and they were in the shape of the outline of your backpack. So everywhere it wasn't a backpack, you were covered in mosquito bites. Yes. And it was just like, it was horrible. They were going straight through your shirt the whole time. I remember taking off my shirt because I was going to wash up and, and feel like a new man. And as I took off my shirt, I heard this audible gasp from you <laughs> behind me. And I said, what, what? And you said, oh, no, no, nothing. You're okay. <laughs> Don't worry. That was good. You have, you have 6,000 mosquito bites on your back. But the center where the backpack was, there was nothing. It was, it was all pristine. That was well protected. Yeah. yeah, do you remember uh, the PCTers? They were they were named Crumbs and Naps. Those are their trail names: Crumbs and Naps. Was that the young couple where uh, he was obviously liked her more than she liked him? Or am I thinking of a different couple? No, that's that's the couple. That's them. Okay. Yeah, she told the story how she wanted to do this. She's always wanted to do it, and she could not find anybody to to go with her. Uh, she was naps i believe i was gonna say i don't remember if she was crumbs or naps i think she was naps and so she enlisted a friend of hers who we could tell he, he was in the friend zone um uh he wanted more than a friend and she was happy with having someone on the trail it was obvious he had come on the trip yeah. because he wanted something more out of the relationship and she she had put him in the friend zone and here they were uh gonna spend the next 2600 miles together and we asked them. We asked them about the trail. Remember some of the stories they told? Uh, she said that the first. Oh, they had weeks, all sorts of different stuff. Jumping in and out. 
first few weeks on the trail was through the the desert, right? As you're coming up from the Mexican border. And she said it was, it was kind of cool at first, but then she was really over it. And she said that she would spend her days crying and hiking and hiking and crying all day long, which really <laughs> made it sound appealing. <laughs> I, I'm sure he was happy about the trip at that point. <laughs> we have another 3,000 miles of this. Oh, my God. All right. So I think we're going to stop our episode here. But um, I was, before I, I was going to ask you about a pro tip inside of the week, but I have, I have a, an added bonus for this episode. One of our Uh-oh. previous contributors, Dr. Bob, remember Dr. Bob on top of uh, Mount Whitney? Oh, yeah. Dr. Bob, is again, he has reached out to me and he's going to share a story. He's actually shared several stories with me. And I was thinking of where I could put these according to how we dissect the trail, what section of the trail his story took place on. But uh, this particular story covers a large span of the trail. So I'm, I'm just going to uh, let this be our pro tip inside of the week. It is Dr. Bob and Mystic Manny. And he's going to tell us this story. And when we come back, I'm going to give you what the pro tip inside of the week is. So stay Sounds tuned good. for that. Hi, my name is Bob Shattuck. I've done the John Muir Trail a bunch of times, and this is yet one more story. You could probably file this one under, uh, be careful who you meet on the trail. Uh, My first trip, 1996, I got all the way up to... Uh, Tuolumne, where I where I'd hiked up from the valley with a really great guy who I'm still friends with, but we parted ways. He went off to Vogelsang and back down to the valley, and I really missed hiking with him. Uh, but I've done it several times with him since. And then I spent the day going up Lyle Canyon, and I met a guy just as you get up into the climb up there. It's you know four o'clock, five o'clock, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'm standing out in the middle of the Eastern Sierra right now. It's snow all over. Actually, I'm just south of Kirkwood or west east of Kirkwood. Anyways, uh, so I meet this guy. He comes out and introduces himself on the trail. He's camping in the trees up in there, uh, kind of around, or kind of around horse uh, horse bridge, horse camp, or whatever you call it. There, Lyle Creek, Lyle Camp, Lyle Bridge, and. Uh, kind of invites he asked first thing he asked me is have you seen my friend manny and that's the story the title of this story is where is mystic manny so he tells me that he yesterday the day before he had started from Tuolumne with his buddy mystic manny or manny rather and uh a short bald Mexican guy, as he described him, and and hadn't didn't see him after half an hour, and he got all the way up there, and he spent the night and didn't see him. The guy never showed up, and he just stayed there, and he stood there for the entire next day, and didn't his buddy still didn't show up, so he was kind of worried and wondering. But you'd think, oh, he'd just go back to Tuolumne, but no, he did not. Uh, and I decided, uh, what the hell, you know, I'll stay here with him and cause he seemed like a nice guy and he was very inviting and, uh, and, and he had some, he had some of the evil weed, of course. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, you know, maybe I'll have some. And sure enough, I had some and it was a beautiful night, uh, looking at the stars, kind of mind wandering all over the place and, 
And then the next day we got up and this was a big snow year. It was June. It was still, it was early July, I think. And uh, so going over Donahue was just a lot of snow and a lot of figuring out which footprints to follow. And uh, we, uh, we ended up climbing all the way up and got up on top of Donahue. And of course he wants to have lunch and uh, he's going to have some more He's going to smoke another joint, by the way. So, yeah, what the hell, I think. And so I, I have another puff. I don't take much. and uh, But it totally whacked me out. And it made the rest of the afternoon descending uh, descending uh, the south side of Donahue really uh, slow. <laughs> slow, slow, slow. And... Uh, Manny still hadn't caught up to us. Where was Manny? Anyways, I ended up hiking with this guy for a couple more days all the way to Red's Meadows. Actually, I hiked with him all the way to Thousand Island Lakes, and then I took off. I didn't so much take off as he left me. And Because uh, what, what, what it was was he was smoking pot morning, noon, and night. He was kind of a career pot smoker, so I guess it really didn't bother him. But I'd already decided it by day two that I, it was not to be for me. I could not hike and smoke pot at the same time. So uh, he took off and crossed. Uh, we, went, we ended up uh, going down to the river trail, and he ended up getting across. And I freaked out and said, no way, I'm not crossing that. He just, he just jumped across everything. So I had to bushwhack all the way down uh, on the right side of the river trail. It took a long time. I got a lot of cuts and scrapes. But I met another couple who, funny enough, they actually lived right across the street from me, we came to find. And so by the time all of us got back down to uh, got down to Agnew Meadow, I guess, uh, we uh, jumped in a car and they drove me to Red's Meadows where I wanted to spend the night. And the next day I thought, well, I'll never see that guy again. But lo and behold, he shows up. And uh, to make a long story short, I ended up hiking with him for the rest of the, the entire trail. But we finally got to, uh, at Red's Meadows, we, he made contact with his friend Manny. And then uh, Manny met us at Vermilion. And once, once, by the time he met us at Vermilion, he kind of pulled me aside, Manny, and said... Uh, have you figured it out yet? And I said, figured out what? And he's like, well, why I left within half an hour. <laughs> and I <laughs> was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's, the guy's kind of an asshole. And, uh, but it's one of those things when you're out on the trail sometimes, you meet somebody, you, uh, especially it being your first long-distance hike maybe, you're kind of like, well, I've got this person, I'm sticking with him. And that's kind of what I did with this guy. And the good part about it was that... Uh, I, it ruined my trip and I decided that I, I, you know, I had to do it again and I I just keep ruining my trip every time and just keep doing it again and again. But, uh, yeah, we ended up hiking together, the three of us, and it was, uh, it was uh, a challenge every day not to piss the guy off because he would just be ranting and raving but he'd be 50 yards ahead of you you know and you'd catch up to him and he'd say well what do you think and you'd be like well I don't know what you're talking about and then he'd go off and start calling you all kinds of names and and uh I went through that every day you know some days I'd hike really fast and try and get away from him he'd catch me I'd go slow they'd wait for me I couldn't believe it don't you don't you hate me don't you want to get rid of me don't you know he tells me all the time and finally at one point uh, we were we had come over Forrester, 
we're down at Tyndall, we're trying to eat, and uh, I said something, and of course, you know, he just wasn't having it, you know, like, again, you know, it's like, oh, how can you say that? And he was a math teacher. Everything was either right or wrong to him. He, you couldn't, you couldn't argue with him, really. Uh, and he got really, really uh, close to violent, you know, and, and uh, he just, you know, again, you know, just told me to get the hell out of there. Oh, well, it was better than that, actually, to which I did. He'd given me a whole bunch of energy. I took off in a in a flash and left the two of them there. I got all the way to uh, guitar, or not guitar, but uh, uh, not, yeah, not guitar lake, but uh, the meadow below it, <laughs> which I can't even think of the name of now. And uh, I met some little old ladies who said, well, and I told them the story, and and uh, so they uh, they went up on the trail and just and and uh, they were lookouts for me, and they finally came back and said, "Yeah, those guys are gone. They went, you know, they went on probably to Qatar." So uh, I, I didn't see the guy again until the next day when I was heading up, uh, or two days later maybe, when I was heading up Whitney and I saw him coming down, and the guy was totally apologetic, like he I don't know he'd figured out that hey, you know, this I really, you know, whatever. And I said, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I was ready to, well, I was ready to do a lot of things. But anyways, uh, the moral of the story, be careful who you meet on the trail, I guess. You know, to give yourself some time to get to know them, have an out, you know, uh, be able to slow down or speed up or, or just be able to say, I don't think this is working, you know. <laughs> uh, that's my story of Mystic Manny. Talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Dr. Bob. I realized that I probably should have told you beforehand as I introduced that, that section that there might be some reference to drug use and some profanity used in that, in that clip. So if your sensibilities were shocked after that story, I apologize. I didn't give you fair warning, but I think Dr. Bob shares with us a, a very good lesson. And that is that you don't have to stick with the first guy you find out there and march 100 or 200 miles with with the person if if he's not the right sort of person if if he uh if he has a surly personality or he's just he snaps at you all the time you don't have to stay with that guy just because you're out on the trail pick your partners wisely out there and if you want to do it solo do it solo hike your own hike i think we talked about that before very nice good good words to live by okay so there you have it that's it. Episode 12 is in the books. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to thank Chopper for helping me out here. What section, should, what section should we take on next, Chopper? You know, I was thinking it might be time to jump to our, uh, our second trip when we went north on the John Muir Trail. And I was looking at uh, the section between Sally Keys and Quail Meadow. Okay. A little bit earlier today, I actually kind of broke the trail down into eight sections, four of them southbound, because we did a southbound trip, and then four of them northbound. And I will pick out the northbound section that includes those spots, and we'll, we'll do that one next. Sounds good. Excellent choice. Remember, if you were interested in being a guest contributor for the John Freakin' Muir pod, there are a number of ways to get in touch. There's email at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com, as well as Twitter at johnfreakinmuir and Instagram, johnfreakinmuir. And as always, Chopper, there is no G in freaking. Also, if you are hiking all or part of the JMT this season, whenever that might open up, 
and would like to be a correspondent from the trail in order to share conditions and stories, please get in touch and let's set that up. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio or studios. Uh, any final thoughts, Chopper? No, just uh, it's always a pleasure to join you and uh, hopefully next time we can actually be in the same space. I think we were talking about possibly adding on a couple of more members if, if this uh, video conference distance solution went well, we could add a couple more people on, on here from our, one of our northbound hikes. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Thank you for tuning in and always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank <laughs> you.